So please welcome to another episode of Baila Room Podcast. We are here with a very good friend of mine, uh, salsa dancer extraordinaire, <laughs> social media specialist, and a mom of two. Mom of two. Here we go. So so today, uh, uh, first of all, I'm really happy to have you on Thank the podcast. You. It's Thank been you a while. I was me. thinking about it. I said it'd be a great, great conversation about salsa, about about social media and all this stuff. So let's start on when did you start dancing? Oh my goodness. When I, did it happen? I started dancing right around the time I finished university. So 2003, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had the typical salsa story. Like I broke up with my boyfriend and I was, you know, I wanted to go out and just, you know, discover a new side of myself. So, uh, I went, I took a class at, um, remember the one with, where Rashid used to teach? Salsa, etc. Salsa, etc. Yes. I took a class there and I loved it. So I slowly started taking classes there. Then I heard about Salty Mambo and that was it. I was hooked. So it was a dance troupe, right? So it's for, for everybody. Oh, yes. Understand. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, back in those days, uh, I don't know if Edson still has a school, but back in those days, they were the bomb. They were like the school that everybody was looking at. They had a very New York style. It was a very exciting time in Montreal. I like to think, and this is I know what makes me sound old, is I like to think it was like the salsa heyday in Montreal. It was such an exciting time. There were so many schools. There were so many salsa nights. You could go out so many nights a week and dance it was i don't know how it is now but back then it was amazing thursday Dalme, remember thursday Dalme? yes i, I remember thursday Dalme. that was a, a, a epic 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 dancing and then sundays at six forty nine. and i mean i got like like when they say you got the bug i got the bug like i was out all the time and i i joined salsa team canada you know with uh, sonia and i auditioned for a few troops and i got it and yeah, it was it was it was amazing. It, it was uh, fair to say you're an original gangsta. I I am an OG. <laughs> I am a Montreal salsa OG. And what inspired you to to start salsa? I mean, I'm Colombian, so Latin music has always been part of my my life. Um, but the way we dance in Colombia, as you know, is really different than the way you dance salsa on a dance floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being out at uh, La Salsa Tech, Salsa Tech, and seeing other people dancing in a way that, you know, I didn't dance with like my brother or my dad, you know, in these patterns and these turns and, and thinking I'd love to try that. And I remember being mesmerized and asking around and trying to find the school for myself. Um, and once I did it, it was just such a sense of community, you know, like eh, everybody was so welcoming and we all have a shared passion of dance. So it was just such just such i was so happy to be there at that time you know Hmm. Uh, i know things have changed since then other dances have come in like people are doing bachata and another was like a big like kizomba and zook phase yeah still 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 there uh i'd like to learn that but you know like you mentioned i have two kids now so it's not (laughs) did it slow you down did it slow down the salsa 100 percent. yeah yeah 100 percent. and also like I want to learn how to dance Zouk and Kizomba. I don't know how my husband would feel about mm-hmm. this. You know what I mean? It's like, bye, see you later. I'm going to go grind with some guy now yes, for yes, an hour. Yes, oh. Well, when, when I, when I uh, had my two kids, uh, first thing I had to stop is going to congresses and, oh, yeah. and just dancing in troops till midnight. You no. know, you can't, you can't do that. No. You know? Or if you do, you're a champ, but not me. Or you have a lot of support. You know, you yeah. have a family that can come in and watch for your sure. kids or you have a very understanding spouse. 
You know, and if your spouse For is sure. not in the scene, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? If your spouse is in the scene, they want to keep dancing too. And sometimes if your spouse is not in the scene, they don't get it. You know, it's like, we're, why do you want to go out still? And so do you, do you feel that it, it's advantageous to have uh, uh, somebody that's not in the scene? For me, yes. Hmm. Uh, because especially after I had children, when I started teaching for you, it really became my space. It was the place where I was still Wendy, not somebody's wife, not somebody's mommy. You know what I mean? Mm. It was me, Wendy, and I would go in there and teach with you for an hour or whatever it was. And it was very much my own thing. So, and I think it's really important to have that in a, in a couple, you know, mm-hmm. like John, my husband, he's a, he runs now. He's really into running. That's like his time, you know, yeah. where he, no, no daddy time, no this time. It's really just for him, you know? For me, I think so. But I have to tell you, when I go on vacation and I see, like, you can see the couples where they're both dancing and they're, like, dancing it up on the dance floor. I'm like, oh, that'd be, mm. it's nice, you know? And you always have your dance partner with you when you end up with someone who's in the dance scene, right? And was it was it easy for uh, your your husband to understand what you were doing on the dance floor? I think because he, when we met, this was my reality, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's I, I would assume it would be very different for someone who you know, the woman wants to learn how to dance salsa. And and I, I know we've heard that. Like, even for me, I've been told, like, I want to learn how to dance salsa, but my husband doesn't want to, and he's yeah. not comfortable with me going. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the strengths of the way salsa is taught and the way you teach in your school is that you do the rotations. So it's not necessarily me with another partner the whole time, you know? But do you think it's 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 scary for for a guy not to know what's happening there and have a preconceived notion or some because i i met the two sides i i, I met the, the 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 couples that have both are dancing i yeah. met the, the the dancer that has a husband at home that it's understanding yeah. uh, to a certain limit and i met the husband that doesn't understand yeah. and vice versa that the guy that dance and the woman at home that's fine with it i met the whole kind yeah. of gamut of people but it's, it's a sexy dance <clears throat> you know is. what i mean it's yeah. very sensual it's very passionate Most of the songs are about love, right? Mm-hmm. They're very, it's a very passionate dance. And bachata about breakup. <laughs> yes, and love lost. <laughs> But yeah, so like I think if you are an insecure person, it doesn't matter if they're out dancing salsa. Mm-hmm. I'm here with you alone in your house today. Yeah. Two married people, you know, and uh, I, th- I feel a partner who wouldn't be okay with me going to dance salsa wouldn't be okay with me being here. I do agree. you know what I mean? It, I it has nothing... Uh, It has nothing to do with the dance itself. It's more about the person, you know? I agree. Yeah. What, uh, what, what did you see in salsa that you said, that's, that's the dance I want to do? Uh, well, first of all, I understand the lyrics because I speak Spanish. <laughs> so for me, a lot of it was like Santush. And I always thought that interesting, you know? I would see other people who don't speak Spanish and they'd be so into the song. And I'm like, I guess the beat, the rhythm is getting to them. Because for me, I'm like singing along. And even now when I teach Zumba, today one of my students told me, she's like, you sing. I'm like, yeah, because I enjoy the song. Here's, here's my fear. What? That they're saying crazy things? No. <laughs> <laughs> that, first of all, I understand maybe 10 or 20%. And uh, at some point I was thinking, I will make a choreography that is very romantic. And the guy's going to be singing, Yo soy la muerte. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be like, what? what? It doesn't work. It doesn't no, work. No, no, it's see? true. So I, I think it never happened, but there's a risk, right? Yeah. That you're, because you don't understand a language, that you're going to have a hard time portraying 
the choreography uh, yeah, properly. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I have that now. You know, like I try to incorporate different uh, music. It's it's actually part of the the whole Zumba thing. And there's some Portuguese in there because there's some samba thing. I don't know what they're saying. Portuguese is similar to Spanish, but not exactly the same. Mm. Um, but it's like when I went to Dalme, you know, there was like the the zooks and these things would come on and I don't know what they were saying. They're speaking Creole, you know, I'm just like, it sounds really lovely. So I'm guessing it's the same thing for me, but why I think salsa ended up touching me so much. I have to say, really, it comes back to the point of the people that I met, you know, it's finding like-minded people, Mm. people that are very open, people that like to have a good time, people that are very positive. And it was very wholesome, at least at the time that I did it. I remember this was before like people were drinking in hotel rooms and stuff, which came after, which is a great other way to party. But back in my day, it was water. You got there, you danced water, you drank water because you danced so much. Mm. And, you know, you went and you partied with your friends and you left. And I never drove home drunk from a salsa event, you know, like, and, and at the time I was living with my parents. So I'm, I wonder what they thought, you know, this girl's out three, four nights a week at clubs, but it was really like, you pay your coat check, you pay your entrance fee, you pay your water bottle and that's it. You're good. You're set for the night and you dance, dance, and you hang out with friends that you see two, three, four times a week. And if you're in a dance troupe, then you rehearse with them and you travel with them. And it was really, I think that that um, aspect of community, right? Yeah. And the fact that for me it was a transitional phase in my life. I had finished university. I was starting to work. I was coming into like my mid-20s. You know, it was a completely different time for me. When did we meet for the first time? I think we met, we must have met socially dancing, yeah. but I remember doing the uh, class with you. Um, Caroline Paris, she had like a class, I think it was Sundays. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, that's yeah. when we started talking. I remember we would like go to the class. It was around four or five People would go and eat, and then we would go to six forty nine. That was yeah. like uh, that was when uh, I think vague memories. Yeah, I remember. But, but, but salsa, what is really really cool about salsa, and for those who were listening, we never tried. First of all, it, like you said, it's a community. Second, you move, yeah. so you spend a lot of hours moving. With let's let's be honest, it's not high impact. Right, so it's like you move a lot, you sweat a lot. A like lot. you sometimes even have to have a bunch of t shirts in my bag. Yeah, but it's just a exhilarating dance and you 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 share this with somebody so also because you're touching people i think it 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 encompasses everything what we need as human beings like we're social people we like to touch each other we like to have fun to trip and you know and all that just because you learn a couple of techniques you get to experience that and then it becomes for some like a lifestyle yeah for me was a radical lifestyle change you know from playing music in bars and bands to dancing salsa and performing on stages, the health, yeah, <laughs> the health, health, health wise, it was it was hundred percent improvement. You know what I think about? I think if they had Fitbits back then, because mm-hmm. remember they didn't have them back mm-hmm. then. I wonder my step count for it would have been bananas. Of course, because like even even now I'll put it on and I I've, I've rarely gone gone out and then I look at it and I'm like eight thousand steps and I didn't even dance that much you know because exactly. I don't I don't know as many people now when I go out you know so when I go out, I've gone out once in like the last three years, but anyways, I don't know that many people. So, um, and I'm still amazed. Right. Mm. So yeah, of course I, I, like you said, it was the health aspect, the, and meeting people and that contact and, and it, it's, it's such a like little, um, 
like a microcosm, you know, like every dance that you have with someone, you know, it's like, it's so different. It's so different from the style. It's so different the, the way they interpret the music. It's so different the way they cue, the way they, you know, they lead, the way they follow. It's, it's nice, you know, it's like having a conversation without yeah. speaking, right? hundred yeah. percent. There was something, uh, uh, an interesting story. I, I was working for, uh, uh, I was getting trained to go and work abroad for two weeks in Toronto and I didn't know anybody in Toronto. And during the daytime, I was with a bunch of people and we're getting trained. And then at night, I would go on, on Google and just check where there's the salsa hotspots, Google, right? Google, because there was Google. no Facebook. I don't even know if there was a Google. <laughs> there, was, there was an Alta Vista yes, or something yes, like that, yes, right? Yeah. So I, I, would, I would try and figure out what is the hotspots, right? And just a, a, a cue here is if ever you're going and traveling to a country, just write to the studios and ask them. Yeah. You know, three top studios, just ask them where, where are the hotspots to dance. So... I would I would go to these hotspots and I would dance, right? And because I'm from Montreal and there wasn't no YouTube back then and yeah. everybody was like, oh, you're from Montreal and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And we're kind of different, a bit of different styles, yeah. right? So everybody wanted to dance with you. So you're, you're like a sort of a rock star slash Tom Cruise <laughs> of salsa in, in Toronto. So I would do that for every night, right? So by Monday, the, the gang during the day was getting closer and they say, hey, let's go out on a Monday. Yeah. And I would say, no, no, I'll just continue on. I'll, I, I'm going to the salsa spots. And I'm like, why don't you come? I was, no, no, I'm just, I want to dance, you know? So the last, last day, they, they would, I invited them to the, to the salsa spot. And when I came in, everybody was talking to hey. me. Yeah, yeah, it's like in cheers, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, norm. hey, Norm, hey, you know, and everybody was losing their minds that were with me. It was like, do you know these people? Yeah. How do you, in I Toronto? I didn't know them that, last week. It goes, I didn't know them last week. Yeah. I didn't know. And it's the quick connections that you do. Yeah. It's, I, I, I told a couple of uh, uh, colleagues, they said, salsa, you jump some steps. For example, if I don't, I don't know you, I don't touch you. Yeah. I need to talk to you. I need to know what's your name. So, oh yeah. So where do you work? Yeah. And you ask these Sometimes ridiculous questions <laughs> which you don't really care about, but yeah. it's just that you want to interact with the person. But if I grab your hands, right, without yeah. asking, just like I don't know you for out of the blue, I grab your hands. I won't. You won't feel the necessity to ask these questions, and you're already talking to these people as if you are yeah. their friends. Yeah. And sometimes, and most of the time, you don't know their names. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know their jobs. Yeah. You don't know what they do. But because you share the dance, you're like, well, that's crazy. Like, wow, that's so fun. Yeah. And then you chat about life and stuff and blah, blah, blah. But you know them very intimately, but you don't know their names. You don't know their jobs. Yeah. You don't know the first steps of connection. Yeah. And I always find that interesting about salsa. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and I also feel that's also <laughs> why you can all I, – I say this to people, but – a lot of times people will go through a breakup or will go through someone and they're saying, I'm having a hard time meeting people or getting myself out there. I always tell them, take a salsa class. Damn right. Take a salsa class. Like, first of all, it'll break you out of your shelf point. Like already, yeah. you'll be more comfortable being around people. Because if you've been married, you know, like like your clientele, it's a, it's a certain clientele, you're in the suburbs. Um, if you've been married for a long time... There's not a lot of options for you, right? Mm -hmm. And so already, first of all, you get there, you know, you like to dance. They like to dance. You have one thing in common, right? And it's just, and it's exactly that. And then it's less awkward to just have a conversation. Like, 100%. hey, what do you do with this? Right? Because you, you've already built that. It's, it's actually you have to do the opposite after. Yeah. You have to go out for coffee <laughs> yeah. to really know the person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you don't do that, exactly. you're like, whoa. I just touched you everywhere. <laughs> but now let's go. Let's chat. Yeah. So what's your name? Yeah. 
Exactly. exactly. But but the, sometimes when when people are getting into dance troupe, they go, "Oh, do you, do you know anybody that, that for me to I want to do a dance troupe and stuff like that?" It goes, "Listen, I'm not going to pick it for you because it, it's risky. You know, mm. I don't know you that well. I don't know how you work. But make sure of one thing: don't pick somebody on the dance floor. Go for coffee with them oh, because yeah. Yeah. you do not know how they work. Yeah. Because dancing with somebody on a dance floor and getting like this kind of connection yeah. and then going and porting that into the dance troupe and realizing that person, let's say, doesn't take corrections, yeah. you have problem. Or, but, and that's the same for teaching. Just because you're an amazing dancer doesn't necessarily make you a good teacher. 100%. You know? So yeah. that, that works that way too, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I never thought of that though, to sit down and... Because I think of all the dance troupes that I've been part of... Mm-hmm. And I don't think I had that. I don't think I had the let's chat first. Or maybe, you know what I think it, it probably was that we had chatted along the way. And I'd been around for so mm-hmm. long. And I knew a few people here and there that maybe that's that step was skip. But, you know, that's really good advice. But you also, you run your things like very methodically, right? With, with a whip. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Do it. If anybody wants to come work for you, yes, it's not true. Okay. It's not like this. <laughs> no, I've always told you that you, you, you run a true business and this is, this is very indicative of that, that you would sit down and say, Hey, let's meet first. Thank you. And see if I like you. Cause I, I'm going to spend so. a lot of time with you. That's what it is. And if we perform and we travel, I'm going to have to travel with you. And you know, like travel. Tra- and that was the other thing about salsa is that you traveled with these people. Yeah. So you and, really and, got and, to know and, them. And the thing, the thing is, is that's the thing that people sometimes miss. Sometimes where yeah. they're like, I want to do a show. Yeah. But 99% of the time is going to be spent in a studio. Mm. 99% of the time is going to be spent in difficult hours and rehearsing. Yeah. The show, and, and that's something I always talked about. As a, Listen, we go to a Congress. Costs us money. We take the bus. We take time of our lives. Mm-hmm. We go there. We put makeup. We put a costume. <laughs> we go there. We wait for two hours in the back. We're being called. Come on, you go to the show, and the song five lasts minutes. Th- five minutes. <laughs> if if the choreography is long, <laughs> let's talk about two yeah. three minutes, yeah, you're right. and then you go back to Montreal. And I was like, man, are we are we crazy? Seriously, like, is this a crazy crazy thing? And we would do it. And then I realized. We're not doing it for the show. No. We're doing it to hang out with each other, with people that we love. Yeah. When I got that, I was, I was way more uh, playful. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, hey, you exactly. Know? Yeah. Because you, en- you, there's, yes, it's nice to be on stage. And if you are, you know, a performer and you, and that's where you shine and that's where you feel the most yourself and comfortable with, then, you know, some people live for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is other places besides the Congress, right? But, Leading up to the Congress, you'll do showcases, you'll do it here or there. Um, if, if your troupe is for hire, you know, you can do weddings, you can do this, you can do that. But I'd say the majority of the people just, you do it because you love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the art, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody became an artist because they wanted to be rich. I mean, maybe like Hollywood rich, but I mean, like, think about how few people those are, there are out there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really for the love of it that you do and, it. And I, I know just one person living off performance, uh, you know? Audrey? Audrey Garcia. Yeah, okay. I just know her. Yeah. Of course, there's other levels. Like there's a Kim Jaengera level, which, yeah. which she 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 went uh, big time. But let's see if we talk about only salsa performers, it's impossible. Unless unless you do the international circuit. Yeah. But even then, even then, you need to have some kind of a client base. 
back home. I think a lot of those people tend to have studios too back yeah. home. And then that's tricky too because you are the draw for the studio, right? Mm-hmm. So when people sign up like I'm taking lessons at this person's studio, they kind of want to see them there. So yeah. if you're doing the circuit and doing all of the congresses, then you're not as present. You know, you know there's a really n- a nice sentence I, I, I heard once in business and it was uh, – said to me by uh, Babakar, he's the owner of uh, Kizumba School called Kizulav. He said to me once, he says, and, and sometimes people say things and I latch onto them and goes, that's a really nice sentence. He said to me, he's the leader of all, all, the, all the, the troops and everything and all the schools. He said to me, I want to be the least necessary person in my business. And I'm like, oh, that's money. Because when somebody does that, I, I, another time, maybe 20 years ago, a guy said something similar to me. He said to me, are you running a business or a job for yourself? And it threw me off. I was upset. So what do you mean? <laughs> I run a business. Of course I run a business. It's a business. Yeah, it's one thing to say, but it's another thing to, to do it. And a couple of moves that I did that I think uh, showed that I'm running a business after all these observations and, and conversations with people. First of all, I'm not the image of my school. Yes, we're doing podcasts. Yes, we're doing YouTube things. That's Mm -hmm. another thing. That's another conversation. But the immediate image on my school, my website, uh, business cards and all that stuff. I asked some really close students of mine if they want to be. That's true. Right? Yeah. And I thought about it because I said, first of all, we're very student oriented. It's about the community. It's about them. So I I want students to be on the image. I don't want to be me. Like it's not about me. It's about them. So let's represent what we're trying to do by putting their image out there. So that was one of the moves. Second moves is to write processes. That's something extremely hard to do because you have to almost push yourself to do them. And then to be able to communicate these processes to other people as like a training manual and stuff like that. But I think these elements and the way... Let's say even it goes down to the way a teacher should behave professionally, the way the, what gear they use, um, what is said in class, how to, how to say it sometimes, you know, how do you present some ideas and all these things make the brand of the company, which should be always geared in my mind on, on fun and entertainment and making people feel good. There's no reason that I'm brought into this world and making you feel like shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. so if you feel like shit, my goal is to try to alleviate you a bit so that when you come out of my class or come out of our school, that you feel a tad better. And if we did that, then mission accomplished, because to be honest, we're just teaching moves. Yeah. We're not curing cancer. cancer. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're teaching moves. Yeah. So what can we do more than just, okay, here's a salsa move. Yeah. So first we can entertain people. Make them laugh, making, get out, getting out. You know, like when you see a lovely piece of art mm. and you lose track of time, yeah. you know, that feeling, if we can give that to people for an hour, gold, yeah. you know, we, 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 we did, uh, we did what we needed to do. So that was the philosophy. Uh, but I wanted to get in, uh, in a conversation with you because you are the only person that I know that started salsa and went to Zumba. Usually I, I, I meet people the other way around, the opposite. right? Because yeah. I got students, right? So yeah. I meet people from Zumba to salsa yeah. and then they, they're doing those huge salsa steps. It's like, calm down. <laughs> With that too yeah. many in between, too many beats? And huge steps, right? Yeah. The steps that to make you sweat, right? And I tell them, listen, 
salsa dancing is about efficiency. And if, if you want to judge it, it would be even about laziness. Like we want to be as efficient about our movements so we sweat as less as possible <laughs> because we've been dancing for five hours. Yeah. It's, it, it's different from doing a show yeah. than doing a social dancing. So I want to know, first, what got you in Zumba? Why Zumba? Because I've always loved to dance. Dance has been a part of my life for most of it. You know, I, whether I did hip hop when I was in my teens or cheerleading or salsa, which I did for a long time, uh, dance was a big, big part of my life. And I just love music. I think, I, I mean, I don't know if this is true for you, but I think that most dancers, actually, it comes from our love of music, right? That's what makes us move. That's what makes us go. Because otherwise, again, back to the concept of connection, right? And I did a Zumba class. My first Zumba class I did a long time ago. And the first one I went to, I was like, oh, step up, mostly. You know, it was like carnival and hands in the air and da, 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 da. And I was like, this isn't for me. And then I fell upon the lady who's my Zumba teacher now, because I still take classes, even mm -hmm. though I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. And her name is Elisa Monk. And she is a beast. She has the energy of a toddler who drank three Red Bulls. Okay. She's like, da, 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 da. and she's very funky and she has really cool like reggaeton songs and and i just loved it so um another thing too is i stopped uh teaching salsa and it was mostly due when to you, injury when, when you stop teaching salsa for me yeah when people call me i know you know that say, you know what i'm yeah. gonna say right so people call me sometimes and say is it a latino lady that teaches or is it a, do you have a latino <laughs> teacher and right now yeah. i have to say no I have the UN, you know, I have oh. everybody from, from all across the world, but Latinos. Yeah. But who's calling you? Are they Latinos that ask you these questions? No, but... that's the funny thing. Yeah. I don't know what's the intention behind it. Cause if you're, maybe they think that you can't, you won't feel the music the same way. Uh, you know what I mean? You won't have the same connection, which as you know, isn't true. <laughs> right? Like, so, um, so yeah, back to how I got into Zumba. So I started taking classes with her. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, after my the birth of my second child, I, I actually had a lot of hip issues and in pelvis issues, which actually meant I couldn't move my bassin to do to dance salsa. I mm -hmm. couldn't move it the way you needed to move it. So I did more and more Zumba. And then she ended up teaching really close to my house. So I was able to go even more often. Um, and last year I had a, a medical procedure. So I had, I always had this issue with my heart that I didn't know exactly what it was about. And I found out in 2013, the cause of it, uh, it's called supraventricular tachycardia, which is a big word to say that my heart would just race for no reason. Can you say it three times in a row? I can. Supraventricular tachycardia, supraventricular tachycardia. Oh no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so. Uh, when I had that corrected, my whole life changed. Because so it, it is, can you explain like just briefly what condition? it is? Yeah. Um, it's nothing that's necessarily life threatening, but it's scary as shit. So for no reason, you could just be reading a book and your heart just goes, brrr, and what it is, is your heart chamber. There's an electrical current that makes your heart pump. And mm -hmm. there's two chambers, one that kicks it off and one that answers. What happens is that current gets stuck in one of the chambers. So it goes crazy trying to get the other one to activate, but it doesn't. So your heart goes bananas until mm -hmm. finally it kicks itself back. And those episodes can last anywhere from minutes to the one that brought me to the hospital the, 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 for the diagnosis lasted close to an hour. It was 52 minutes of my right. heart going like this. And how fast was it beating? When I got there, it was two, 227 beats per minute. Why didn't you die? Apparently, 
you can't die from this. You can't? You cannot. Look, so, in a life. So 220 beats per minute? 227. Yeah. But that's even faster than if you run. Uh, and that's... <laughs> exactly. When I got to the hospital, they had my rating. And the person asked, what is, you know, what are her stats? The guy told her. And, the, and he's like, that's not right. That can't be right. He told him. And then he showed him the paper. And he was like, okay. And so... I found out and I was like, I finally had an answer because my whole life I'd had my heart race and had all these things. And, you know, I dealt with panic attacks and I was so sure this is a panic attack. I never thought it could actually um, be caused by something physiological. So it was very, very almost rewarding to know that it wasn't just in my head. It was literally something mm. that had to do with the way my heart was made. And so when I had that procedure to correct it last November, it really changed my life because I was always scared, even when I danced salsa, mm. to push myself past that 100% point because mm. sometimes my heart would just go berserk, you know? Yeah. And once I had that corrected, I said, you know what? I've always, I've, I've been taking a lot of Zumba classes. People have told me, you should teach. I mean, you used to teach salsa. Why don't you teach? And that held me back from doing it. So finally, I uh, registered myself and I went in September, just now September, and I did my certification. It was a long day, a very mm -hmm. long day of dancing. But, but it, it's, it's, we talked about this before, but you know, the business model is just killer. Like just if you look at from a standpoint of a businessman. There's no money to be made there, man. No, but I mean, from the standpoint of them. For him, he's we, a millionaire. Not only. He's Colombian. What? what? But, 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 <laughs> but, but here's the thing. It's, 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 I, that's what I think you should Start right away fresh. Have some kind of, uh, let's say, Hernandez Ba, you know, like <laughs> like a Wemba, you know, and, and, <laughs> Wemba, right? It's Wendy Wen Wen Ba or something like that. Brand it and start your own stuff. Like I always said, start your own things. I mean, you definitely can. There are some people that don't want to. So for for those of you that don't know the way it works to be a Zumba instructor. The man who started this, his name is Beto Perez, Alberto Perez, who is a Colombian guy. And he is a brilliant man because Zumba is a trademark. It is a word. It is like saying Coca-Cola or Nike. Mm -hmm. And you cannot call yourself a Zumba instructor unless you pay into the licensing fees. So every month I'm billed a certain amount to call myself a Zumba instructor. Now think about that. Every instructor around the world pays a monthly fee to call themselves a Zumba instructor. I'm That's, sure there's millions. There's I mean, that's gold. I checked once just in a s small area of the suburbs of, let's say, DDO. Yeah. There was 200. Yeah, I will bet. Yeah. I, I was like, it. 200? <laughs> There's 60,000 people living in DDO. I'm and like, they, I guess they like Zumba in DDO. Damn. But you know what? And I think for me, this was the right time to do mm -hmm. it because I thought about doing it for a long time. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. For a long time, to me, a lot of it was cheesy. It was like not the kind of songs I like to do and the ole oles and the mm -hmm. clap your hands. And, and due to the, just the way the music industry has changed and the way there's more reggaeton now and all kinds of, and dembo and all kinds of different uh, beats, it's a lot more urban mm -hmm. and um, it's a lot more my style. So I think I'm, I'm really happy doing it now. And I think this is really the right time for me to have gotten into it, you know, so um, and another thing is he's just so smart. When you become a Zumba instructor, you have access to Zumba workouts. So they send them to you every two months. Mm -hmm. They send you 10 songs with 10 choreographies that you can teach to your students. But you only get the choreographies beginning from when you get certified. So right now they're on volume 84. I started at volume 83. 
I don't get anything before that. So there are a few videos that they share, but I don't have the bank. I don't have 82 volumes worth of dances to go back to, you know? What would they lose? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think that I, I, I'm guessing it's because they paid licensing fees and da, 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 da. I don't, I don't really know. But, but the thing are also the, they're, they're making their own music. They do. And I think that's the best way to get out of yeah. any kind of licensing fees. You don't have to pay anything. Yeah, they Because like SoCan would be, you know, after them if they use the, the music of somebody else. But they provide their own music. That's it. So they don't even have to pay licensing fees because it, it would be millions of dollars of licensing fees. And that's what your monthly registration covers is the, the use music. of the music. And so they have agreements like with Daddy Yankee, with, you know, everybody. Like they, so they're legit? Like they're using big names? Have you listened? How many? No, no, I'm, I'm completely ignorant. No. Okay, so the way they do it is they have they do have some artists. I think like BIP, there's this one group that's I think is a Zumba artist. There's another guy called Max Pisolante. Again, I'm not sure if they were artists that now partnered with Zumba or became, you know. But they they will make songs. Like if you listen to some of the Daddy Yankee songs, he'll say Zumba like in his songs. He Are does. you serious? Well, I'm going to send okay, you songs please. after, okay? Did and you'll be surprised. He's not dumb. He knows that all of the hundreds of thousands, millions of people that take Zuma classes now all like reggaeton. Mm. So what are they going to stream on Spotify? Daddy Yankee, right? Like he's not, it's, it's very, very well thought out mm. the way they've cross promoted this. I mean, it's unbelievable. Any, any, any Snoop Doggy Dog songs? <laughs> any Snoop Doggy Dog songs? Not that I can Snoop think of. Doggy <laughs> You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. You can pick your own songs that are hmm. not necessarily approved by Zumba, right? A lot of people do that. So, yeah. But for me, it's been a, a long road to get here. And it's been, I, 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 I told you the other day, it's very validating. Hmm. And it's the same feeling that you get in, in like salsa, you know, that whole aspect of community and having them mm -hmm. come up to you after and saying, thank you. And you sweat together for an hour. And yeah. at the end of my classes, I always say, we did it. We survived. Yeah. <laughs> like we made it. Cause it's not like, like a choreography that you perform for four to five minutes. It's one hour. Mm -hmm. It's one hour of performing, signaling, watching, making sure people are following the steps, turning around to face them, turning back to face the mirror, remembering the choreography. You know, it's crazy. It's But it's it's good for you too, right? So it's like a, oh, a great workout. So if you yeah. if you do like uh, 15 of these classes a week, like you're a monster. I'll be invisible. Yes. I'll be tiny. <laughs> You'll be <laughs> two-dimensional. Like, You're going like, to turn on the this. side. Wendy, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, some people do. Some people who mm. want to make a living out of it, they have to teach more than just Zumba. You yeah, can't yeah. on your body. It's too much. They, yeah. They're fitness instructors. Mm. My Elisa Monk, she does that. She teaches a bunch of different things. Um And then they also have different levels where you can become a Zumba instructor, a Zumba jammer. They're the ones that come up with the choreographies and then they make money because they charge a certain fee. And they're kind of like congresses. The vibe, I'm going to one on Saturday. Mm. They have that similar vibe. Where you it's gonna, you're going you're gonna to meet Tony Robbins. <laughs> Tony Robbins? It's gonna, I'm sure it's going to be like a motivational kind of jamboree. They don't really, Everybody, come on. But c'est vraiment like yeah, you yeah. really have to be. And I'm, you know I'm not like that. Eh? That's not my personality. I'm mm. not like super boisterous. Like I like now I do. I'm like, hey, woo, yeah, you know. But it's uh, it's something I'm like working on, you know, because it's not. I'm more like, chill, like let's, let's dance. Let's yeah, groove, yeah, yeah. you know. That's more my speed. But uh, But these women, the women in my Thursday class, 
which is a new class for me. They're so motivational. They're the ones that scream and, and do all the noises. And I'm ooh, like, ooh. exactly, exactly. <laughs> They're so into it, right? So, and you mentioned uh, briefly uh, before uh, about uh, in the past having panic attacks. Yeah. Uh, do you still have those? Do you still bout with that uh, situation? So one of the uh, best decisions I made for myself uh, last year, so almost two years now, I think it would be, is to actually get on medication. Um, and that's because besides having panic attacks, I have generalized anxiety disorder, which is a big way of saying I'm just an anxious person. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, something that I didn't want to do for a long time. I fought it. I fought it. You know, my very first panic attack, I was 17 years old. So, and I'm a lot older than 17 years old now. So it's 19. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it was something that I dealt with for a good 20 years before I decided to really do something about it. And that's because my body got to a state where I was waking up anxious. Anxiety was just, it was just coming out of nowhere and happening all the time. And in doing some research about it, I read that um, if you don't deal with it, your body gets to a point where it actually believes that that level of cortisol, like living with that much anxiety, like the cortisol level in your body, it starts to believe this is your norm. Mm-hmm. So it produces this level of cortisol in your in your body. So you can do all the meditation you want. You can try to sleep your eight hours, drink your water, see your therapist. But your bodily your body is at this point out of whack. And so I made the decision to start and take uh, taking an anti anxiety uh, pill. And so it was at the beginning I felt a bit like a failure because I had tried to manage it on my own by doing all the things I just said, fixing my diet, fixing my, you know, I did a lot of therapy. I'm a huge believer in therapy, Um, but it didn't help. And I had a very supportive lifestyle. At all? Uh, It helped some, you know, it did help some, it helped changing my way of thinking and not catastrophizing. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a born worrier. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm a glass half empty, not a glass half full kind of person. I've had to teach myself to be more positive, right? Um, so we did help in that sense, you know, but the other aspect was so physical. And you have to understand that I was dealing with this issue with my heart. So one of the struggles that I had with my therapist and she told me, she's like, Wendy, you have a very, some people, they're just scared of things. Like they'll get in their car, they're scared to drive at night, they're scared to drive in the highway, She's like, you're afraid that you will have this sensation that feels like you're dying because you literally have a condition that makes this happen to you. So I was kind of like the chicken in the egg. I was stuck like in this whole thing. And I think in getting medication, in having the procedure for my heart, it's changed my life. You know, teaching Zumba, I wouldn't have done that before any of this, you know, and it gives me the peace of mind of knowing that, yes, I'm still an anxious person and I will get overwhelmed and things. And that's just where my mind goes. But I feel like the the volume is turned down. You know, I was living at my life on a 10. Now I feel like I'm at a, a 4 or 5. Like I feel like, okay, I'm anxious. I get it. I know why it's happening. And did the meds kick in right away? Uh, no. And it is not fun. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I know some people get on them. One of my really good friends got on them around the same time for different reasons. And uh, she had nothing. She was fine. I had insomnia. Hmm. I had headaches. I felt even more anxious. Like in, uh, when I started getting on them, I felt even more anxious. And so I remember calling the pharmacist and being like, is this normal? Like, should, and, and for panic attacks, I have a pill that I take. She's like, no, just, just level it out. Try to take this, match this and that until you find. But I know why a lot of people will start and then abandon it because you feel worse before you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
Um, I'm very open about it. Like uh, if you, if you ask me, you know, I, I, I share my experience with people um, because what, like I tell anyone, everyone to me, having anxiety is like having asthma. It's a lifelong condition, right? And sometimes things will make your asthma. Like if you're allergic to cats or, you know, it's too cold outside, it'll kick your asthma in, right? And the anxiety is like that too, you know, it'll ne- you'll never be, you're not built this way, you know, you're, you're built the way you are. And I think there's no greater teacher for that for me than having my children, you know, because I see them. And I see my youngest one who's a born warrior too. And I think part of the, part of, of being an anxious person, I think for me has a lot to do with like being upset with myself. Like, why are you like this? Why are you so like, stop worrying, stop. Blah, blah. It never occurred to me to be like, I'm made like this. My brain is made this way, you know? And if I was born a diabetic, would I have been like, stop being a diabetic? My God, just get your sugar under control. Sleep more, you know? I wouldn't. I would just be like, okay, I'm a diabetic. But when it comes to mental health issues, people, it's a lot scarier, right, to admit this. And uh, there are great, now is a great time because social media, one of the good things that I find that has come as much as it can lead to terrible things in people's life, you know, when they put bad people write horrible things online. But it's also given people a platform, you know, and so you hear about celebrities that battle with this, athletes that battle with this, like Olympians that battle with this, right? Which is. But do you, do you feel is it necessary or what's the function that it, it does for you to define yourself as an anxious person? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? You said a couple of times, you said, I'm an anxious person and I had to admit it to myself or something like that along the line. Why is it necessary like to admit to, to associate anxiety with the fact that you are a person like the difference between an anxious person and a person with an, with anxiety for me is two different things. I don't know if you see where I'm going. You can be an anxious person and not have anxiety is what you're saying. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, Once you you said something along the line, correct me if I'm wrong. You said, it took me a while to understand that I I was an anxious person and that's how it's going to be. Like how, that's how how I'm wired. Yeah, exactly. Why did you conclude that? And why was it necessary? Why don't you see anxiety as something that is happening to you that is outside your own personality? Because I don't think it is. I think it's who I am. It's how I'm funny. It's how I like to dance. It's how uh, I'm very passionate. I'm very loving. It's part of who I am. And and it's not a bad thing. And anxious people, if you look around, are people that care a lot. You know, uh, my therapist once said something to me. She's like, you anxious people, you're the ones I want to sit next to on a plane. You know where the exits are. You've done your research. You know who's flying the plane. Like, you know, you, you've done your research because you want to hedge your bets. You want to know what's out there. It's a lot about control and feeling okay because a lot of the times you don't feel like you're in control, right? And so it's not necessarily all bad, right? And I think acknowledging that and saying, hey, some people are super chill and things happen to them and they take it on the chin and they go. Uh, My husband is like that, but he's also a little bit passive, right? Like I'm like, hey, let's go. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's more passive, like things don't get under his skin as much. And it's not, uh, I've learned to accept and kind of love that Thank part God about myself. you married a guy like that. I know, right? I'm just going to tell you, ima- you. Could you imagine if we were married? Disaster. No, no, <laughs> no, please don't. So, 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 so I had that, that tendency. I think it's under wraps. Like the, always seeing 
the the the, the glass what you said half empty ha- half empty yeah. I I had that for a long time I think it's still somewhere in my brain I just stopped caring about yeah. that part as much you that's, know I just that's getting older yeah I, I yeah. just uh, whatever you know sometimes some part of my of my on my own thinking I just stop listening to it I just start buying into it yeah. it's like all right so it's uh, whatever it's the same old story yeah. you know and you know what, what what was the best for me is slowly realizing that my catastrophic scenarios never happen yeah that was big because when when you're freaking out about situations is because there's a storyline in yes. your head. Yes. And sometimes when you verbalize it, it's almost like laughable. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> you know that you know so. that uh, that meme that that little kid, you know what I'm talking about, right? I think he's like a little um I think it's like in Africa. I think he's like there are a bunch of little African kids and they're holding a rope and he's freaking out because <sighs> they're in water and the water yeah, is yeah, rushing. Yeah. <sighs> and then his friend stands up because they're literally like in this much water. Yeah. So and then it says like overthinking like that's mm-hmm. a clock and then he realizes oh my god i can stand up too that's exactly what it is right your mm-hmm. brain is like i'm gonna like not necessarily i'm gonna die but like oh my god what's happening blah, 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 blah. instead of taking a second and being like oh no actually it's fine you know yeah, my, my mother used to say to me a, a lot she said oh Elias, you you think too much oh. <laughs> all the time it would upset me i was mad yes. what do you mean i think too much <laughs> i was like what is this i think Maybe 10, 15 years ago, I said, hey, mom, you were right. You know, you definitely, you were, you were right. Yeah. I, I was I was overblowing stuff, thinking too much, was living in my head. Yeah. Uh, art, you know, yeah. the artist, you yeah. know. And and I think it's there's a relief uh, happening slowly about that situation, about just knowing, also, like you say, with age, you know yourself. You Experience teaches you that you were wrong to think some things. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, talking to people more openly, yep. that helped me a lot. For me, I was ashamed a long, I mean, mm. I had entire relationships. I dated someone for three years that never knew I was an anxious person. I led him to believe that I had stomach issues <laughs> and I would always be like, I have to go. So he just thought I had a lot of diarrhea. I literally preferred him to think that I shit myself <laughs> all the time. Then I was struggling. Can it's, you believe it, how crazy that it, is? It's much easier to deal with somebody that verbalizes what he's going through instead of any kind of cover-up mm. much be, like it's just plain and simple i remember one time in one class you had a panic attack and i remember I'll the interaction remember yeah. because i turned around i saw it i saw your eyes and i remember just grabbing you yeah. and telling you you'll be all right yeah you'll be all right don't worry take your time you know and you were looking at me like if if somebody like is is telling you like the I don't know. It, your eyes were so like surprised. No almost. one had ever said that to me before. It's crazy, huh? Ever. Because what you said to me, I will always remember this day. Because what you said to me was, you're fine. I'm here. We're fine. Like, and you were just so calm. And that's all you said. And then you just kept teaching. And, it, and one of the thing is, and, and, you know, anxiety is on the rise now for children, right? Yeah. And so... You feed the anxiety. When someone's freaking out, you're like, are you okay? What do you need? Yeah. Let me get you something. Is everything? When you panic, that other person's like, we're panicking. There's something to panic. Let's all panic <laughs> together. You plane. know what I mean? Exactly. Fire on the plane. You just came and you were like, look, I see this is happening. Like you acknowledged it. You, you said you didn't minimize it. And you said, we're fine. It's going to be fine. And that's the only time that anyone has ever spoken to me about that. Like in that way, you know, mm. because my mom, like... I'm Colombian, you know, and like most, 
I would say these types of nationalities like South American, it's, it's, it's not, well, at least it wasn't very well looked upon, you know, with something like, it's not happening. Yeah. It's not happening. There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. Let's go. You know, uh, or you're stronger than this. Yeah. I'm trying to be stronger than this, but right now I really don't feel stronger than this. Like right now I'm struggling, you know? And for me, it was a shame for a long time. I never said anything to anybody. And the moment I started talking about it, it amazed me how everybody had some kind of struggle. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, it's depression, anxiety. I talked to someone and then I mentioned it to her and she, she told me, she's like, my father killed himself. She's like, I've said that to maybe five people in my whole life, you know? And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's crazy how many people deal with a version of this. And it's because it's part of our reptilian brain. It's part of how we are made, right? Yeah. And some of it, as you know, is nature and some of it is nurture. You know, like I told you, my daughter, I see her. She's an anxious one, my youngest one. You know, she gets overwhelmed easily. She's also very passionate. It all comes from the same the same area, right? I think but, also it's important to something that uh, I try to do is to, um, with my children, to, to give space to the emotions. Yeah. Without without saying anything about them. Like it's not, it's okay to, you know, no, no, it's not okay to be angry. You know, I just say you're angry. I, I can see you're angry. I grab him by the hand. We continue whatever we're doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't want to that, that aspect. If I see pure emotion, if I, if I see like he's trying to pull my leg or just yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. do something like it's, it's, it's pretty apparent. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They're not good actors, but when, <laughs> but, but when, when I see that emotion, I think to, to at least acknowledge it, yeah. I think it's just like, yeah, you, you're pissed off. Like you're not going to scream, uh, when you go out at, uh, the shopping mall, no yeah. way. That's not a place, but in my house, you want to be mad, be yeah. mad. As yeah. long as you're respectful, yeah. you're not telling me off or something like that. You can be mad all you want. And, and it's, it's another thing, my, my, my daughter started to pout. Right, and it's happening a couple of years now. I know where she got it from. Vicky? No, no, no. I'm the black belt. Black belt. I'm the black belt. So, so when I see that, I, I, I try to break it. Right. So I wanted her to yeah. talk. Just tell me you're pissed. Yeah. Just tell me you're pissed at me. Start start somewhere. Yeah. Just interact with me. She shuts down. Yeah, because you're going to go two hours in your room and waste your time. Yeah. What's the point? So that aspect. I work in myself and I see her. Yeah. I, I say, if, if I, if I don't allow it to, for her, I, I can't allow it for yeah. me. Yeah. So I have to shorten my pouting time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't, I'm not happy. I don't want to do this. No. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's such, um, uh, the kids make you realize your, your, your shortcomings also. And, and sometimes you don't want to see them until oh, yeah. your spouse tells you, mm, that's not me. Look yeah. at this. Yeah. And you're like, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay, I see it. But I there really, it. there really is. But I, I just want to uh, uh, mention just a quick thing. Mm. When you see, when you see anxiety in your children, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying most of the time, but sometimes for sure, it's not the correct response. Like it's finding the alternative response to that mm-hmm. and trying to figure out very early age, I think, to encourage them to to maybe let's say if they're anxious about something. Well, if you need to cry and be frightened about something, it's way more easier to, to reassure somebody like that than somebody that is anxious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody that is like, yeah. Like, Cause they're just shutting down. Exactly. Yeah. So, so 
at an early age, I think it's it's a it's a big job for me and you. Yeah. You know, like to to recognize it. I think we're 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 black belts in anxiety. You know, and we know how it forms, where it goes, how it's how it can how kids can mimic us. Yeah. You know, and and I think it, it's even a more bigger responsibility for me. I to stay away from it. I always know? tell like like my radar is always on for this. You know. Uh, I'm very attentive to it because I feel like I, and because of the therapy I've done, because of a lot of the reading I've done, mm. uh, I feel like I have a good skill set, you know, yeah. to help out. And one of the best things that I read was, was what I said before, not to feed into it. Yeah. Because even for me, like I would see my oldest, you know, everybody gets anxious. Everybody gets nervous. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes the terminology is, is not used properly. Yeah. Sometimes people would say stress. Sometimes people say anxiety for stress and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So let's let's say anxiety is stress times 10, you know? Yeah. It's not like you're doing a show. Yeah. <laughs> please continue. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is something I want to say, and I know it's going to sound very much like what everybody is saying right now, but, you know, like there's certain terms that people use and uh, I don't get offended easily, you know? Like I know some people, there's certain things we can't say anymore that... But um, I find when people say like, oh my God, I forgot to bring my groceries bags in the store and I almost had a panic attack. And in my head, I'm always like, if you knew what a panic attack felt like, you would say something else because a panic attack feels like you are dying. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It is... Spiding out of control. Yeah, yeah. It feels... It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's no... Like it is... So whenever I hear people say that, I'm always like, no, it did, that did not feel like a panic attack, you know? But yeah, no, I left, I lost my train of thought for what we were saying before, just because I wanted to make that point. No, no, it's a good point. So, so it's a serious situation. Well, it's it's very in, intense, and I've had, you know, people work will experience this in their life. Uh, people close to me that don't have anxiety or panic attacks have told me, you know, today something happened to me, and I think I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So my husband, once he was taking the train in the morning, and for those of you that don't know John, he's super laid back and not a worrier, not an anxious person, not a nervous person. And he's taking the train and all of a sudden he starts to sweat. He starts to sweat. He starts to sweat. His heart starts to race. His palms start to sweat and he, his breathing starts to, you know, go and he gets on the train and he felt terrible. You know, he got to work and he was like, I think I had like a panic attack. Like, I think it just came on. And, and he doesn't like, know what triggered it. No. And this happens because my brother has told me something similar that happened to him on a flight. One of my best friends was at work and the same thing just happened. And it happens in but periods it, of stress, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's very rare random. Like you're happy in your life. You're calm. You're going to the spa. You're, <laughs> you're happy. The spa. You have like beautiful feelings inside your body and out of the blue, you get a panic attack. He was Unless, probably stressed around exactly, that time for exactly. work. Yeah, he and probably had a lot and, going on. And sometimes it's lack of capacity of recognizing the flagpoles, lack of capacity to, to name the problem to talk about your feelings this is all the starting points like yes. I, I, I can catch myself sometimes even nowadays like at the beginning of a session when it gets really hectic i'm like i feel it's like a pressure yeah. cooker yeah. my body yeah. i feel it in my chest yeah. i'm like Oof. oh shit it's like all day long now yeah right yeah so i have to do something about it i can't stay like that yeah i i, I refuse to stay like that so i i have to find i usually i start by talking and it alleviates a lot of stress if somebody's receptive. And that's the whole thing is managing it. Mm. Like, I know this is something I will always live with and mm. it's managing it. And it's, you know, 
learning when some situations are too much. Mm-hmm. And as much as I want to do them and I don't want to let people down, it's not what's best for me. Priority number one, yeah. Wendy Hernandez Zamora. Yeah, and this is it what, has to be. It, and this is this is not something that is ingrained, I would say, for most women. You know, most women, we're very outward. Like, we want to please. Mm-hmm. We have so many roles to play, you know. And But us, we have the advantage that we talk, you know. For men who deal with this, men are not, most men are not like you. They're not so open about their emotions, yeah. right? So it, it is. And like I told you, it's on the rise for children. It's, it's, they're seeing it's like going to be the next pandemic. Like it's the next epidemic, this, yeah. this thing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, if you see the way we're raising our children now, we are padding their lives. So what you want in your children is you want to build grit. You want them to dust themselves off, pick themselves up and keep going in their life. And that's not how we're parenting right now. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you fell. Okay, come, let's, you know, we're not going to do this again. This isn't, or before we even went to the play center, I had to research and do this and do that. Is this okay? Did I bring my wipes? Did we wipe everything down? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so the kids, they don't learn to rely on themselves. And that is the number one thing that you need to avoid this. You need to know shit will happen. You will feel terrible, but you know what? You're going to be okay. You can get through it. And we're... We are not allowing them that experience. You know, we are, we are just making them live in little bubbles and life is not a bubble, you know, and, and you see so many struggles now, you know, I had a friend work with me. She was in her twenties and she was much younger than me. And like, she would tell me about the struggles that she was having at work and she was unhappy and she was this, and she had everything in her life to make her happy, but she was still unhappy, you know? And I think it's a lot of this is based with that. We are trying to make them happy to, to, to make them have a false reality. You know, life isn't like this life is a fucker. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to always be sunshine and rainbows. It's going to, you're going to have to learn that, you know, you can scrape your knee and you can still go about your life. And it's important to have like uh, prehistoric elements. For example, we were built to, to run from tigers. <laughs> so sports would be somewhat of a priority <laughs> to be able to move, just to yeah. move. Just take care of motion first. Yeah. Let, let's not overthink it. Let's just let's just put your child in some activity that he sweats, that he moves, that he uh, learns how his body works. Yeah. And then, like you said, all these things. Also, like um, an observation of mine, I was talking to um, one of my friends. There's also like this, let's say the immigrants, the first immigrants yeah. that came here, right? Yeah. So let's say my father and my mother, came to Canada with two suitcases, $2,000, and that's it. One child and another child, like a little baby. So child was five years old, that was me, and then, and my brother, right? $2,000. Please tell me, what would you do in a society that you barely speak the language, yeah. you would survive? Yeah. You were built to survive. And you would be anxious as hell. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? When you're in this, it's almost like you have no time to deal with it. You, exactly. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. There are other more important mm-hmm. things to deal with. But here's the thing. These people, my parents, that made their life here, you know, both engineers, you know, they struggled. They didn't, they didn't get an engineer job when yeah. they came in. They did like uh, some side jobs and stuff like that until he, they climbed this, the, the ladder, right? So once they got the job, they, they did their life they, they, within one lifetime. Then they get children, right? Then here's the risk. The second and the third generation, 
can become complacent and easy yeah. because they have too much money. Yeah. They have too much security. Uh, their parents struggled. They built their lives from them. And then they got everything. Yeah. They didn't have to work for him. In the West Island, when I was going to school, I knew some people, their parents bought them cars. Yeah. And I was like, what? I know. <laughs> like he came in with the motorcycles and cars and the yeah. parents. I knew he didn't get a job. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, man, those kids at, at that time, I thought it was cool and I was jealous, well, but yeah. that's, that's, that's something else, right? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, that padding thing, I'm not sure we're helping. No, I, absolutely not. And <laughs> I had my own experience with my daughter this week with my oldest Penelope. Um, so my youngest needs her own bed because now she- sleep on the floor. <laughs> you learned the good. <laughs> so my oldest thought it would be great to give her her bed and she wants a bunk bed. You know, because she's in this, she's eight now, so she wants a bunk bed. We mm. went to IKEA. We went to look at them, and so it was IKEA is pretty affordable. Whatever we had a price, but still, it's a bunk bed. It's still when all said and done, it's it's like a it's not necessary, right? We got home that night, and John and I talked about it, and we said, you know what, this isn't a smart decision. We'll just buy a bed that'll last longer. Bunk bed is going to be fun for four or five years, and then we're going to have to buy another bed in four or five years. That night, I went to put her to bed, and she was like pouting. And so I go to bed and I'm like, good night. And she's kind of not talking to me. And she's like, I'm upset with you. She tells me, I'm like, why? She said, you said I could have a bunk bed, but now I can't have one. And I said, no, I said, we were going to look, which as you know, to a child, maybe is always a yes, my mistake. Uh, she was upset and I could see the tears welling in her eyes. And so I told her, I'm like, Penelope, do you know that at your age, I slept in a room with my three other siblings. So I grew up in Kodinej and we lived when my brother and sister came to live with us, we were four children in one bedroom and we lived in a five and a half. So it was me in a bed, my brother and sister in a bunk bed and my little brother in his crib. Her face was like, like I, like I just told her, like we live in a prison. She could not, she could not. She was like, wait, Tio Georgie was there. And Tio Georgie, yeah, they were all there. We lived this way for a while because we had to, you know? I sold her. I didn't have a room like this. I didn't have my own bed and unicorn sheets and I got to pick the paint. I didn't have any of that. I had what I had. And when I got something, I was happy because I was one of four. So there was a lot of waiting before something new got to me, right? And and more and more where we are now, all of us were sort of living, you know, going on the family vacations once or twice a year. The first time I went on, on a plane with my parents is when my brother got married five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. I'd never been on a plane with both my parents until then. Like, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy what we're yeah. doing. And they're growing up thinking that this is a necessity. So like, as you know, I lost my job in August, right? And since then I've been freelancing with my digital marketing, teaching Zumba, and I've never, truly never been happier. Uh, can I sustain this once my package is gone? Probably not. But if, could I make it work if I readjusted my lifestyle just on my husband's salary? Probably. And it would be very similar to the lifestyle I grew up with. You know, it's just not our reality now. Right. It's yeah. not, it's not how, it's not the the base. You know what so I ha- mean? I have an idea to fix this. Tell me. You. I do Wumba. Wemba. Wemba. <laughs> Wemba with Wendy Hernandez. <laughs> so you say to the kids, uh, we're going to Disneyland. So mama and papa are going to take the plane. And you <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> That's life, guys. Oh my God. Get to Disneyland. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah, but she forgot that I'm the one that gives her an alliance. Oh, She's going to do the math yeah, and ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said you talked about also social media and yeah. stuff like that. You were doing this. You were doing this um, for, for whom or for what company? When, when did you start doing it? So I started, I actually went back to school uh, in 2015. I went to get a certificate in digital, what do they call it? Digital media management, something like this at mm -hmm. McGill. Yeah. Uh, sorry, digital community management. And I, it was a one-year certificate. And I decided to do this because in the job where I was at, I worked in marketing. Mm -hmm. We didn't do a lot of digital marketing. So I knew that if there came a point where I wanted to change careers or grow in my career, I didn't have the experience. So I started doing this. And this is actually a cool story. So I finished my, my certificate. And I was on mat leave with my last baby with Sienna. And the floods happened. In 2017, there were floods that happened in the West Island. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Okay. It was a big... Uh, Huge. Big catastrophe that happened there. There was a woman named Rhonda Massand who runs the West Island blog who took it upon herself to basically become the voice of everything that was happening. She was like literally in the canoe, in the water, with the waist highs, going around, helping people. She set up a depot at Fairview to collect uh, canned goods. And the community responded. They came out in droves to come and give and help and find out how to help these poor people that were losing their homes. I went to help sort out food. I was on mat leave. I went with my mom and my baby in her stroller. When I got there, I saw there was tons of people sorting, bringing things. So she didn't really need help on that aspect. But what I had noticed is on her Facebook page is that people were asking and asking and asking things. There was no answer. This poor lady, she was by herself and completely overwhelmed. So I got there. I got to the depot and I <laughs> I went to her and said, hi, my name is Wendy. I came to sort food, but I see you're okay. What I did notice is that I think you might need some help more on the back end. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, who sent you? You are a gift from God. Sit the fuck down. Here is my laptop. She pushed her laptop. She gave me her phone. She gave me all her logins and she's like, go. And I was like, okay. Let's do this. So right away, I started putting up posts for her, cleaning things up on her website, just to make people aware of what was happening, trying to get as much information via Facebook out. And because I was on mat leave, um, I had a lot of time. So I ended up just helping her through the whole time that the floods were happening and really contributing a lot to the blog. And when it was done, she said, do you want to work for me? And I said, sure, but I'm on mat leave. So what I'll do is I can, I'll, I'll just volunteer my time for you. And then when I go back to work, we can start, you know, a contract up. So I've been with her since that April in 2017. So that's almost two and a half years now. What are the review streams? Like how do they monetize that uh, community? She actually, she actually, that's something that we're working on. So what she has is she has ads on the blog. So people pay to put blogs, right. um, ads up on the blog. We also have uh, sponsor posts. We have posts on Facebook. We have contests. So all the different ways like you want to advertise, we have a price point for that. We have mm -hmm. a media kit. What we need to figure out now is how to monetize our video because we've been asked by Facebook. You know how you can put ads now during your, your videos on Facebook? Mm -hmm. That how to monetize the blog itself. Um, and yeah, how to figure out our YouTube. That's our next thing that we're going to try to grow is the YouTube channel. Um, because right now it's, it used to be just her, then it was her and I, and now we have a team of three volunteers that are with us. Um, and we're actually looking to grow this year, but it's been life-changing working with her life-changing because she is extremely supportive. She is extremely dedicated to the community of the West Island. Um, 
And it's just given me such a huge platform. You know, I got to touch managing the website, blog posts, social media posts, like, and you know, a lot of these things, they change really quickly, right? So I'm self-taught in a lot of them. And I'm also learning as I go, as Mm -hmm. I do them with her. Um, And it's been so rewarding, so rewarding on so many levels to work for her. And now we obviously become good friends because, you know, we work closely together. And uh, that's kind of what I've been doing since now that I have more time that I've been home because I'm not working full time. I've been putting more time into the blog. That's awesome. Yeah. And what do you think about the whole tendency of that ecosystem to go towards, let's say, fake news, uh, clickbait stuff, you know? So it's just the nature of the way people consume news now. So I don't know about you, but most people and the statistics are there. They, they show most people don't go to BBC or CNN.com. They see the news as it comes in, yeah. excuse me, on their feed. Right. Yeah. And that's where all of this fake news and you have to check your sources. You have to know that if it comes in from a questionable URL, that it's probably not vetted. Right. Um, and do you, did you hear those ads on the radio? that they were playing in the summer and it was from the, um, I don't remember who it was, but it was, I think the broad Canadian broadcasting, they released these ads where they were like, uh, Hey, I heard in Quebec, it takes 17 hours to get seen at the doctor. And when you do, he doesn't even have a university degree. And then the person's like, yeah. And then it's like Martha from Cincinnati, Cincinnati heard, heard on vacation that, you know, doctors in Canada do this. Like, is this how you get your news? So it's basically saying like, don't believe what you see on social media because they're not vetted. Yeah. And I get it. I get it how journalism and all these things, they, they work hard to check their sources, you know, and here we come, we're a West Island blog and we talk to a few people and we publish. So there's a lot of importance behind that, right? You really have to be sure before you hit that publish button and that share button on Facebook that you've checked it. And we have a really good audience. We have about, we're about to hit 15,000 Facebook followers, which is a lot for the West Island and a very, very active Facebook group. So the way it works is most of the people that come into the blog come in through Facebook. They don't go to West Island blog directly. They come in through Facebook. Don't so you don't you find that that could be problematic at some point? A hundred percent. Like some pitfalls of of having Facebook, let's call it like the interest point. Or ideally, you would you would would you want to prefer a strategy yes. that would put the okay? And that's what we're working towards. We hired an SEO uh, agency uh, at the end at the end of last year and mm-hmm. we're working to kind of pull that directly in from Google. We're trying to get more content on there yeah. that has, you know, tr- uh, keywords that people are going to search for. And we're trying mm-hmm. to divert our content to be more, uh, informational because right now it, it's news, right? So it's very reactive, right? You, you kind of just put up, but if you notice even trusted news, news sources still have the restaurants where to eat and the yeah. places to take your kids sledding, like they still have that information in there. So it's finding that balance. It's finding the time because she wears many hats. She's on global TV. Yeah. She's on the radio. She does this. She's a grandmother, a mother, you know, like, it's so yeah, it's tough, but it's, it's so unbelievably rewarding. You know, uh, you, you are particularly good in finding t- titles for videos. So I know you, I yeah, liked yeah, it. Yeah. I so loved getting these texts from of, you. Yeah. A couple of times uh, you helped me with titles and I was, I was thinking I'm going to have to come up with a title for this, for the podcast and probably with your help. But before, um, I had some ideas. Tell me. Uh, yeah, I had, had some ideas. Okay. I'll run through these ideas. Let me know if they're, they're decent or click, click <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's play that. Okay. All right. The first one would be. Before a show, she said, break a leg. And it really happened. <laughs> You're so would you, would you click on that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, rien à voir. I don't know. I'm talking about shows, you know. 
All right, just give me a second. Something went up on my system. Here we go. Okay, here's the other one. Gotta see this. She melted guys by moving her hips. No, would you click on that? Like to listen to your podcast? <laughs> melted? Yeah, melted because you're moving your hips. So yeah, okay. that's it. This Latina cannot dance salsa. Is this possible? Yes, in an alternate universe. <laughs> <You're> so funny. <laughs> and that one's from you, the best Colombian that's dancers in you. Montreal. But the only Colombian in Montreal that, that dances salsa. That's what I told you. <laughs> that, that's what I that's what my husband w- says to work? my kids. Would that work? Well, for I don't even know. There probably is more now, but back in those days when we were dancing, I was the only Colombian dancer. I was the only one. So I used to tell John when I met him, I was like, you know, you got to marry the best Colombian salsa dancer in all of Montreal. I was also the only Colombian salsa dancer in all of Montreal. It's like he's very well known by his two parents. <laughs> Or like my brother's dad joke when he's like, I want, I came in first in a race of two. <laughs> That's my brother's dad joke. <laughs> oh my God, that's so good. So uh, let's talk about a bit uh, YouTube, you know, because uh, we, we had a good conversation about YouTube and the way right now it's changing up about the kids, yeah. right? YouTube for kids. Um, basically, right now, when you listen to YouTube, right, you can get whatever ads possible, right? So let's say if my children's listening to a video of... Those, let's call them stupid videos. I don't know what the they're listening to. Yeah, the unboxing. The toys. That's yeah. something I never understood. Oh Did you ever understood the unboxing? I, I don't understand it, but it's like crack to them. But wh- why would you listen to well, a video of people taking out shit out of boxes? They, they, watch, they watch other kids play together. There's, there's a channel called Unbox Therapy. Millions of subscribers. Of But did I did I lose a, a, a track like a, a space and time continuum? Did I lose something? <laughs> like why would you want to? You know, there's there's toys called lol uh, lol dolls. Yes, Penelope right? had those. She's over it now. Okay. But yes, this is the concept. You don't know what's inside. Yes, it's fifty dollars. It's crazy expensive. And everything's packaged In- individually. Yeah. So that with we, codes. Yes, they need the codes. So that the 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 plastic patch in the pacific grows 10,000 more plastic that's what i tell her so w- this is one separate discussion of of me being getting too old and not understanding so i see my daughter watching these videos on on youtube and we just like she's she's young so we kind of watch what she watches we want to so know good. Right? we want to know i know i told you we you're so know. good i we don't want to know And then there's like a, she's watching this show called Binu or something. Like that. And there's like a truck ad, a tampon ad, and they're just all flying. And, and I'm thinking, okay, so much for the laws in Quebec, right? And then there was the, the situation with the kid, kid app that you couldn't get in Quebec. And I, get, I went and read about it. That's YouTube Kids, you said, yeah, right? Yeah, it's called YouTube Kids. It's an app that you can install and it just streams kids' content, right? And I went and read. And that, that's, that, that's the funniest thing. Why we didn't get the YouTube app in Quebec. Because it's not in French? It's stating that Quebec is a unique environment. What do they mean by that? Do you think it's a language thing? I don't know. There's something about Quebec because it's the same with a lot of um, contests. You know, like if you were to enter a national contest, a Canadian contest, nine times out of ten, it's not eligible in Quebec. And it has something to do with the way I think we 
claim prizes and the taxes and things like that. But I also have, have to think it has to be maybe a language thing and a legislation thing. And I think it's too complicated. <laughs> Quebec is too complicated. Mm-hmm. That's so, what you should have said. So, Quebec is too complicated. <laughs> That's why we're never going to exactly. go there. Exactly. So they're like, you know what? I don't want to deal with all of your specific rules. So I'm just going to. You know how, how complicated it is for me to have everything bilingual? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a rich thing to speak two languages. Yeah. But it's twice the time for me. Yeah. Like everything, like the, put the French uh, side in French and English, put the communication in French and English, yeah. correct it, yeah. uh, make sure it's spell proof. And sometimes it's, it's just time consuming. I, I need a team of linguists. No, no. I, I really do, but yeah. I can't. I don't have money. So, but I care, <laughs> I care about that bilingualism. I do care. I like, I really think it's a cool thing. Yeah. But on a, on a practical thing, it's a pain. Yeah, absolutely. Very big and some pain. companies don't, right? I think if you have, what is it? If you have less than 20 staff members, 10 or 20, I know this because I manage websites and we got away with it for a while because we had less than the number of employees. Mm-hmm. Once you have about above that, then you have to be bilingual. At least that's what I was told. And also... I, I want to say that, and as I'm saying it, I feel like it might have changed recently because I remember one of the last things I did where I work was work on getting the website translated. So, yeah, it's definitely back to your point about the kids and all of and what they watch. It's very hard to track, and it would be super useful if we could have access to something like YouTube Kids. I told you, you're great at watching. I don't, I'm not so great at making sure that what they're watching is okay because I kind of know what they like to watch. And you know how it works, right? Like one video kicks into another. And that's part of the changes that I was telling you that came into effect on January 1st. So to kind of go over that, um, the FTC, so the Federal Trade Commission, sued YouTube back in, I want to say, August of last year or maybe earlier Basically, because of that, they were saying that in order to have these ads display, they're capturing information, right? And it's children's information because it's children's content, which is illegal. What most people don't know is that YouTube was built to be used by 13 and over. Actually, children shouldn't be on YouTube to begin with, Mm -hmm. but they are, and they're a huge revenue source, right? Yeah. So um, they put, when they got sued, they put the the responsibility back on the channel owners, meaning that if you have a channel that has children's content, you have to flag yourself as being a channel for children. And in doing so, tons of things are changing. One of the first ones is, and one of the most important ones is that these, they're called uh, end screens. So when you finish watching a uh, a YouTube clip at the end, it says, you might like this one that they show you. That's going to go away. Comments also. Comments is going away. That's That's huge. That's huge. And there's no more targeted ads, which Mm. means that this is exactly how people were making the revenue. I don't know. Nobody's entirely sure of how this will affect. Some people are going to try to skirt the line because, you know, if you're one of these videos that are not necessarily built for children, like let's say the the unboxing. Okay, let's say it's it's a man now do the unboxing. Well, you can argue that I'm just doing an unboxing. If children happen to watch it, that's because they want to watch it. Yeah. You know, so there's going to be a, a big learning curve there. Yeah. And YouTube is putting the responsibility back on the channel owner. So if they, if they find a channel that either is flagged as being a child, child one and it's not respecting these rules or bigger, if they are a channel that is putting out information for children and haven't flagged themselves as much, they can get sued by YouTube. Now, now every time I upload a video, I, I'm asked. You are? Yeah. Okay. That's I'm asked. Is this I content? have to do it. Is okay. this content for kids? Yes or no. Okay. And I have no choice to, to, to click on it. Yeah. Which I think is reasonable, no? 
Absolutely. Let's start uh, uh, somewhere, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, the, 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 the amount of data that these companies have, like before you would project a show into a focus group, like hired kids that, ha that are parents approve. And they kind of look at the attention span of the kids and they say, oh, the, the kids, they don't listen to that part of the show. They start talking, they take notes, and then they cut parts. That's how they, they did, I think, with Sesame Street. Yeah. It was one of the first that they yeah. did that. And now the amount of data... Yeah. Man, it's crazy. Yeah. It's more data that they have that we can understand what's happening. Yeah. Like they probably know more about us than we do yeah. as consumers. A hundred percent. Yeah. They, they got, they got our brain locked. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we're there. I'm here still with so, my smartwatch um, so, and my smartphone. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm still. I'm guilty. Yeah. But I mean, my brain is already formed. Yes. Right. So if I'm influenced in some way or form, it's influencing a static thing. Now, compared to influencing a developing thing, yeah. this is where I get upset. This yeah. is where I get annoyed because the, the children's brain is developing. So it's developing in parallel with the influence. Yeah. So there's something up there. And I can't, as much as I, I, I'm very interested by technology and I'm, I read about it, I can't grasp the ultimate effect or positive or negative on the children. And it's extremely hard for yeah. us to teach what to look for for our kids like what are you what are what are you going to teach are careful don't want you know what you don't know what to teach like how to how to manage this yeah. you can't just let it open and kids yeah just watch youtube whatever but you we, we th and that's the that's the scary part about being a parent today mm -hmm. is that we are christopher columbus we Big are time. in a land that nobody has been before i agree our parents didn't have to deal with tablets our parents didn't have to worry about what it was doing to our brains no, our no parents, cyber bullying, no cyber bullying. You know, it, it is a different time yeah. and we are all in this kind of like trying to do the best that we can. And we won't know, we won't know the, the effects of children watching YouTube until much later. And so that's why I always say, and I think I might've said it already today, our children will not parent the way we parent. They're going to change because they will have that information. They will know what work, what didn't. Um, and I also think this trend of being helicopter parents is going to change. I think it's going to, and that's what I believe is that things What's are going to go. What's a helicopter parent again? Helicopter parents are is literally that are parents that hover around their child. Like, you know, you go to the park and the parent is there like on the side, not wanting them to get hurt or pl playing with them. Like I do this too. I'm very empty. Like I like to go and play with her and do things. Mm. Um, and I've noticed, I've always said this, that like, you know, families, big families, the youngest child is usually like the most easygoing kid. Like they're usually like chill and whatever. And that's because when the mom got to the fourth kid, she had so much going on. Plus she knew better that he probably wasn't going to hurt himself, you know, or he was going to be fine. So he got to build that grit on his own, mm -hmm. right? Um, in my family, it's 100% true. Like I've seen that in so many families. And it's because you kind of relax more as a parent with every child that comes, right? As long as they don't have like needs that require more of your attention. But that's why what that's what I think is going to go into. At least I hope because it, it can't remain like this. You know, these I go to these gatherings, these family gatherings, and I see teenagers now. Like my John's uh, has like cousins and nieces and nephews that are in their teens. They're literally all sitting on the couch, on their phone, like a row, tick, 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 and they're all on their phones. No one's talking to anybody, and it's like Christmas Eve. It's it's weird. Huh? It's crazy. But like you, how much did you love Christmas? Because you knew you were going to see your family, yeah. and you were going to play together, and you, and now like the social skills are not there. But did you did you realize it's an effort to put our phone away? For me, a hundred. 
I don't even want to tell you. You know those reports that tell you how much you're on your phone? How much? I'll tell you mine after. Oh, shit. Tell mine me. is close to eight hours a day. Okay, I'm, I'm less than you. Yeah, but it also tracks my music and I use a lot of Spotify, right? For I, I have that excuse also. <laughs> no, I mean, I always have music on. Like, I, I, my, my big chunk is from Spotify. How, how many hours? Without Spotify? I haven't checked. I'll check after. Check now. You want me to get up and go get my phone? Oh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, that'd be so funny. I'll tell you after. Yeah, I'll I'm check. three hours of Spotify. I, I'm about about five to six hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. So about for sure four hours. Big chunks are YouTube. Big chunks. Like two hours a day of YouTube. I basically don't watch anything else. It's so funny. Yeah. I, I don't even watch TV. Mm-hmm. You're uh, on I, your phone. I, I watch with YouTube. I have a bunch of channels. I'm a yeah. member of subscribe to all channels that interest me, <laughs> technology and dance, yeah. basically, and, and uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And the rest is uh, whatever. So I just watch whatever in the morning when I get up and stuff like that. This yeah. is the thing I'm trying to break. This Wh- was my 2020 resolution. What is it? To stop to grab my phone in the morning. But you have to understand that away. I consult, right? And I get emails and I get things at night and I do. So I'll, I'll, that's how I start my morning. You know, I, I check I, my phone and I, I it, we're what? Five minutes into 2020 and yeah. I failed miserably. I still haven't okay, done it. You still hope. You still hope. <laughs> but you, you know one thing that really helped me mm. is uh, I put Facebook and Instagram no on my last page. Okay. Right? I put it in a, in a box called social media. I so it's the too. last page. So it's the fourth kind of had to swipe, you know? Yeah. So that turned down my usage of, of, of the uh-huh. units, of the, the apps. And uh, th- that helped. Then I turned off all notification for all apps. Yeah. Okay. I have zero notification. I have 10 to 7 no disturb kind of phone goes into no disturb mode. And then I can't get calls except the emergency ones. Okay. So my phone is really, I take it. And all that time that I spend on it is like purposeful. I'd actually take my phone and watch it. But one thing about notification, what I, I read at some point uh, in a business book, I think it was saying that you have to decide no, it's it. How it was it said? It's like it's you. You don't want people to decide what you want to do with your time. Yeah, and you want to decide when you take the call, right? So every morning at nine o'clock, I take my emails. Then at three, I check again, and that's it. I don't do emails all day long. Now, some people argued, yeah, but if it's just a five minute thing, you know. But I what I what I didn't like is getting pinged. Mm-hmm. Like I was doing some things like ping. Like, yes. Uh, look at it. Oh, like, it's ping. a leash. Yeah. It's crazy. For me, it's hard to do that because I manage Facebook communities, right? I manage the West Island blog, which is, an, as I mentioned, an extremely active Facebook community. So I have to keep an eye out for... Okay, well, let, let, me, let me tell you this then. Why would it be so different if you have set times during the day that you check it? Because things happen. Things happen. We put up posts. People call us out. People say things. People curse. People talk about other people. Like they... Um, things will change. The news will change. We'll p- report something and it'll update. And so we have to update. So you're the like a reporter. Kind of. Yeah. Th- that's what it is, right? Exactly. So you want to be the first. Exactly. You don't want to be the last. So I guess, yeah, that, that it's un- so there's understandable. That. Yeah. There's that. I also manage my, the gym that I teach Zumba for. Mm-hmm. One of the gyms that I teach Zumba for, I do his marketing, digital marketing. So nice. I manage this, but his is fairly quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also go in and I check to see what's happening. If anybody's written anything crazy, I also update it with like workouts that are happening that day. Um, so my prompts, I'd love to take off my Facebook notifications, but I, I can't, mm. I, I need them, but I miss a lot. Like on a personal level, because I'm pinged so much for so many things, I miss like friend requests or, or I just miss a lot of stuff mm-hmm. because I have like so many yeah, notifications yeah, yeah. during, yeah. you know, cause you have yeah. yours also. My problem is sometimes if I open a message, 
and I'm on the road or stuff like that, it's hard to, that's why I always say to my clients, write me an email because Uh my email is like a to-do list. Yes. But sometimes people, it's easier for them to talk to me on Facebook. So sometimes I would open the conversation while I'm, I don't know, shopping. And then when I get home, the conversation went out because there's like 10 more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I think it's, Facebook is a very tricky for me to manage properly conversation. So I try to always defer to my website and my my email. So I said, listen, if you really want to, I don't miss you for anything. Even if you ask me during class, just tell me, just, I tell them, write me an email Yeah, and it's the best thing. Absolutely. You receive the email, you, you, you can respond and it's, there's a tracking. Yeah. Uh, I had Facebook messages disappear. I had the, yeah. uh, where is my message? And then you look for it and you can't find it again. Yeah. You don't know for what reason. But Do you have e- that set as a prompt? Like, uh, no. okay. No, not, so not Facebook. Come, okay. No. Cause you, you can, you know, you can set yeah. that right. Okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I want to, I want to, because I, I do about an hour, an hour to an hour 30 of response to clients every day. I really want to set a time and, and it works, you know, the people 24 hours, you know, it's nothing. So I, every nine o'clock yeah. I, I get up, I read my emails, I respond and another half an hour, maybe around three, three thirty, Yeah. And just in case somebody's writing to me before a class or stuff like that. But I think it's, uh, it's way enough. You know? That's great that you manage it, your time it, like that. I have no choice. Yeah. I think it's not a, well, I have a choice. Of course you have a choice, but I'm, I'm not in a, in a reporter mindset. Yeah. So I'm also, a, I consult for her, right? When she asks me for mm. something, she is my employer, right? Yeah. So I need to get back to her in a timely manner. Yeah. And sometimes there'll be things that are, and I'm not always great. You know, I still have two children. I have a lot going on. I yeah. teach Zumba. I do all these other things. But I think, I, I think that kind of thing is a stress contributor. Oh, a hundred percent. So if you are uh, uh, some somebody that's managing your anxiety, I think it's not playing well for you, no? But the thing is, what helps me is my relationship with her mm. and her... But I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about notifications. Oh, you mean that? <laughs> I thought you meant like the job that no, I'm no, doing no, for No, no, not her? at all. Not at all. Oh, no. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this. When I do try to use my phone less, there's more that come in. <laughs> it's like it knows. My it phone knows. knows. Series knows. like... Yo, you haven't, you haven't picked up this phone in seven minutes. Are you alive? Like what happened to you? So I'll leave it. I'm sure now if I go grab my phone, it's just, it's stupid things like the news or Pinterest. I don't, I don't care that she baked a cake. Like I'm fine. I can live my, the rest of the day without knowing that if I bake a cake this Mm -hmm. way, it'll turn out like that. Mm -hmm. And it's me too. I've been meaning to do that, to turn off the ones that I don't necessarily check up on my, you should. Uh, as much. It, you know what? You know what? It. I'll be honest with you. It won't change anything. Really. I'll still be. My sister said that there's a, a report of how many times you pick up your phone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one of my, uh, uh, one of my coaches, uh, Luciano, I, I love him to death. And he, we had a conversation and he's really quick to respond. In, 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 even when I uh, inquired about his school, a jujitsu school, he was like, ah, would you know, you liked it that I answered you really quickly. And I told him it would, it didn't matter. It didn't I would change. have taken classes anywhere. It's your place. Yeah, but that's you. Yeah, trust me. If you really want to take classes at some, at some, there's a lot of factors, but if you answered to me in the hour or in the next 12 hours or in the next 24 hours, it wouldn't matter. Mm. People can give a day to somebody. Come on a day. I don't think so. Come on, Wendy. No. What do you mean? No. Are you do you know what era we are? We're in the era of instant gratification. No, I, I refuse to be instantly gratified. <laughs> <laughs> You're a pleasure delayer. You pref- 24 hours, please. 
No, Let's I'm telling on. you. And no, he, I, I, he's in a business, right? If you didn't choose his school, you would choose someone else. Whoever got back to you faster, right? I disagree. You, because you, I know you though. I you disagree. probably did your research and you knew he was the best it's guy. It's not about me. I disagree in general. Yeah. I think, I think that, listen, I'll, I'll give you a, per, per, a perfect example. We, we have a business phone line. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we're, we are in classes. Yeah. Most of the time I, I do other stuff during the day. I'm not in my office. I'm not at the studio. It goes to the message yeah. box. 90% of the time. Okay. Yes, I know because I've called. Yes. That's what I mean. <laughs> but we return all the calls yes. we, uh, within uh, one business day. Everybody gets called back. Yeah. We even tell the people, leave messages. We'll call you back. Don't worry about it. Like yeah. we, we will reach you. So do you think I would make more money? If I would answer the phone every single time a phone calls, you don't know. You think yes? I do. You think I would be like a gazillionaire? Okay, let's not go crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do think so. so you, That's you, a big. You think I should lose sleep? No. No. Do you think I, I think should? This is how you've set up your business model, and it works for you. It works, yeah. But mm-hmm. what I should point out is you have a lot of readily available information, unlike a lot of other. Salsa dance schools. Your mm-hmm. website is full. It's meaty. There's lots of stuff in there. I love it. It's true. Yeah, so yeah, when you, you say visit our website, it's not one page and a picture of two dancers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's so much in there. You know how you, I built it? You know, and, and I, I built it by... With the user. Answering the questions yeah. of my clients yeah. all the time. So I always think about if ever a client asks me always the same question, yeah. I conclude that my website is incomplete. Right. As simple as that. Yeah. And I try to complete it. And this, you would be <laughs> surprised at how few people get that. Strange, That's huh? the purpose of a website. I, that I, and to drive leads, right? Yeah, to drive 100%. potential clients. Mm-hmm. And so you have that. And also you have a Facebook page, you have a YouTube channel. So I think people already kind of know your brand. For mm. other places, they might not be so sure. You know, they... They want an answer right away. So I think that definitely helps in your favor that you can delay in getting back to them. And like I said, if that's, and you are, you are the type of person that will get back to them. You know, know, some people say that they, they'll get back to you in 24 hours and they don't, you know, I think it's, it's just that I think there is, it would be, first of all, I don't have the, the means to hire a receptionist. Yeah. Right. So it's to be realistic. Most schools don't. And most dance schools Half of them probably have day jobs, so they don't even call back or maybe call back or I don't know how they're set up, mm-hmm. but some big dance schools have a receptionist. So if you call, you can, we don't, we're big, but not enough to, to hire somebody full time yeah. in, in, uh, as a receptionist. But I think the important thing is to get back to a client. I think to state clearly in the message that to leave a message yeah. and you know, all this stuff, but, uh, to conclude this. I will disagree with you. I think it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) But are a lot of your clients referrals or do you have a lot of like, what is half Google? Okay. 40% referrals, 10% other stuff. So that always comes down. Uh, The the other, the other uh, thing that I, that I was concerned about uh, when I do these kind of like figuring out where do people come from? Yeah. Like I do a lot of Facebook ads and Google ads and, and stuff like that. And I, and I always wonder if I compete against my natural listing. That's my, my biggest thing. Mm. And this year I tried to test it. Okay. For the past, there's two things that happened. For the past six months, I did zero promotion. Okay. It did not affect the bottom line. Really? Yeah. Here's the other thing. Here's the other, that's the stupidest thing on the planet. I, I did, uh, I do a class called mommy baby salsa, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
I usually I put some ads, like a small ad, like 200 bucks and stuff like that. And I do it on Facebook. I do, I do even track how people, if people come from that ad yeah. with like a pixel and also on our registration form where people have to say where they saw yeah. us, right? So I have that data. I forgot to put an end date on that ad. Oh. Uh, for some reason, I saw $1,700 pass on my account <gasps> at some point. And I lost my mind. I went back and I said, shoot, damn it. I forgot to put an end date. Oh, so that shit. ad was running for a month with a very hefty budget, like something like $20 or $30 a day. day. Oh, shoot. And then I spent $1,700 on that ad. During that period, I had zero registration oh. for that class. And it made me really think long and hard. I said, Are we do am I doing this for the show? Is this only like a fear of missing out yeah because my registration stayed constant the class opened it worked it's yeah. fine it's like always like the same numbers but during that time where the ad was basically just taking all my money yeah there was zero registration associated to that ad and then the question is was it well targeted, targeted that was like, my question it was for you. perfectly okay. targeted perfectly geographically targeted to expecting parents mm -hmm. To uh, people, I, I could even isolate I income. I can isolate postal codes. Yeah. I can isolate interests. Yeah. I can isolate. Everything was yeah. isolated. Zero registration. Mm. And I got upset. No kidding. <laughs> I no was kidding. Like, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, first of all, okay, it's my mistake. I should know better. Yeah. But if, in all the ads that I put online, because I'm pretty, pretty intense about doing online ads, that was the first mistake. And it made me think. It goes, okay, so I put all that money and I had zero return. So let me try not to put any money. And I was, I was really iffy about it. I was a bit scared because I used to spend about $500 a month yeah. on online ads. Yeah. And to, then I drop, drop it down to 50, 50, 50, zero wow. effect on the income and on registration. And then I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Because naturally listing all my natural listings are on top. Yes. So I'm the top school in my region and stuff like that. Yes. You search for salsa in my region, I'm a number one because I've been working at yes. it for 10 years. Yeah. On YouTube, I'm number one. I'm I, I, like, it's working out really well. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm putting money into it but you don't need to, to be over number yeah, one, yeah, yeah. right? So am I wasting that money? And I think I am. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think you've built your website and you already have all of that organic traffic, right? If you, if you put in those keywords, you're the site that comes up. So, and that's, I would say, I would say people probably join a salsa class, especially if they're a mom who, who's looking to do something, um, because they're looking for it. I don't know yeah. if seeing an ad for it would be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go try this. It's a very interesting point. For me, I would, I would actually put an ad more in like a CLSE and, uh, you know, where your moms are going to be, you know, like, mm. uh, on the bulletin board. Uh, you know, they do mommy and baby swimming. I would just ask, can I put a an ad here that's where they're more likely to see it you know because already you know they're active they want to do something with yeah. their kid um i don't know so much of seeing it come up on your facebook feed if it's something that you would look into i say that because i think about now that i'm managing this gym and i've been working on a gym post for west island blog where i went and i reviewed i went and i worked out at like eight different west island gyms and to kind of give the experience of what it's going to be like it's going to be released either today or tomorrow little plug so that people can go read it yeah. but like um i've noticed since i did that obviously now all my facebook feed is a million and one gyms right coming in with all very similar offers 
sometimes I click, sometimes I don't. Is that really why I'm going to go? No, I'm going to decide, oh, you know what? I want to try a CrossFit class and I'm going to Google it and then I'm going to go research. And that's very much how people operate now, right? Because we have all this information readily. We We want reviews. We live in the review time, right? You read the Amazon reviews, you read the Facebook reviews, the Google reviews, and you have that, you know, you're mm. very well reviewed on all the platforms that you're yeah. on. So I don't know if it's necessary for you to spend that kind of money. There, there was a conversation I had with a Google specialist. He said to me, oh, do you want to try remarketing? And I goes, what's that remarketing? You know, when you, when somebody goes on a website and it puts a, a cookie there and yeah, then, and then your ad's going to follow the person if they went through your website and stuff like that. So I said, I said to him, I go, I don't like that. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, you know, there's a very high percentage of the person converting. He goes, I think it's like stalking a client. It is. He goes, I feel like a stalker. I don't want to, I feel it. The first time I saw it, like the first, first time I saw remarketing techniques, I was like, is he, is he, who's following me? Like I felt spooked out. It's like when you talk about something and you check your phone and it's there. Same thing. So I said, you 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 keep your remarketing yeah. for yourself. I don't need remarketing. Yeah, I, I barely need marketing. I don't need I, what what remarket remarketing to what? Remarketing to whom? It's like on top of each other. I have marketing, and then I have the other thing following people around. Like leave them alone. Yeah, if they want a class, they'll come. Yeah, and I think the quality. That's something. I I, I thank God. I I I got into th- to that. I I remember people said, don't invest in promotion. Invest in content. Invest yeah. in 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 responding honestly to clients. Yes. Invest in creating information, valuable information, and give it away. I'm thinking, giving it away. And I just started to do it and everything. Because like I said, back to my review time and back in the times that we live in, there is so much out there, right? And what people are looking for is honesty and connection. And that was the number one thing I learned when I went back, when I went to McGill. Hmm. Everything, all this online and digital what people really strive, and this comes back to salsa, is connection and community. And that's why Facebook, like West Island Blog does so well. We have an active community. People are searching for that connection. And, you know, I, I'm sure you heard this, that like uh, records outsold CDs last year. Which <laughs> is not saying a whole lot because I can't imagine any CDs were really being sold. But still, records, vinyl. Yeah. People are very nostalgic now. You know, they very much want that that feeling of something concrete yeah. because everything is kind of like uh, in the digital data of the space of the universe of Siri yeah. of, you know, I have a Google home now. My sister, my daughter got one for Christmas and I have an Alexa and I have a Siri and sometimes they start talking and I'm like, this is it. I'm living in like, like, this is it. I'm in the future, you know, like yeah. it's happening, but it all still comes down to wanting that, wanting this, you yeah. know, like, and the way you've built that is you are kind of providing that already when they come into your website. And that's, and that's what for me right now, my strength is I, I am currently like, you know, I've started looking for a new job. I, as I mentioned to you, I interviewed for a position and that's, that's whether you're doing a job interview or whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're, you know, teaching a Zumba class, it all comes back to that, the concept of connection and community. I think in an era of digital notification, fake news and stuff like that, it's uh, it's uh, quite good to, to be sitting in front of you and having this conversation, yeah. being locked in. I know you that know, we're not doing it via Skype. Et, et voila, et voila. <laughs> so, so it's almost two hours, Wendy. 
man. We have a lot to say. Here we go. I wonder if anyone wants to hear what we have to say. I don't know. Maybe we, we'll, we'll say some more in another podcast. So okay. thank you very, very thank much you. for coming. This was uh, awesome. This was really, really cool. Thank you for thank, taking thank your time you. and coming. And I really appreciate My your pleasure. honesty talking about uh, all your anxieties. I think it's important to put it out there yeah. to, to take away the drama out of it. And uh, uh, wish you the best in all your endeavors in 220. <laughs> we'll be you. chatting about it and stuff like that. So thank you. Thank you thank very you much. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank you. Take care, guys, and see you in, uh, in the next podcast. Yes. Thank you. Bye.